0: Hey guys and welcome to the thirteenth and final underrated mini I'm your host Gabriel Green and I am here in person uh, with my co-host James Hamrick. What's up, man? Nothing much.
1: Super excited for you to be here. Uh, over a year, long time coming. Yeah, uh, but finally a a a episode that has been entirely recorded in one room.
0: Yeah, and I actually I have not met you till now. I got over my crushing disappointment, but hey, you're still pretty cool. Oh, wow. Well.
1: <laughs> That that really warms my heart.
0: Yeah, and so uh, I we since we started this show uh, with Man of Steel and BDS, even though we didn't plan it to do this, it's very fitting that we are finishing it with Justice League, kind of the culmination of what the DCEU has been so far.
1: Yeah, and you know, it it does feel like this this big event, both in terms of. You know, obviously this is Snyder's final installment in his Superman trilogy. But yeah, it's, you know, it's the final installment of the underrated saga. Uh, finally, we we discussed the film that in a lot of ways we've all been leading towards.
0: Yeah. um, And we so we got, we got to hang out this weekend. We watched uh, Man of Steel and BVS, you know, leading up to it. And I think it was really nice, you know, seeing all the thematic, even all the thematic threads kind of laid out and then played out into Justice League. And I think this viewing of BVS was, was my best yet. I opted from four stars to four and a half stars, which uh,
1: I'm sure made you very happy. Made me happy. Now we just need one more viewing to bump that up again. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to be able to watch this back to back to back um, all in person.
0: All right, so let's just move into our discussion of Justice League. So Justice League was directed by Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon on a budget of $300 million, and it's made 109 on its opening weekend, which I hear isn't great for a, a film this size. I'm not sure what it should have made, but apparently it's not as much as they were hoping. Uh, it stars Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Henry Cavill, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Ray Fisher, Amy Adams, Jeremy Irons, Diane Lane, Connie Nielsen, J.K. Simmons, and Kieran Hines. It was written by Chris Terrio, Joss Whedon, and Zack Snyder, and it was shot by Fabian Wagner. You know, making it the first making the first Snyder film not shot by Larry Fong. And the score was done by Junkie. Oh, uh, the score was supposed to be done by Junkie XL. I wish it was done by Junkie XL, uh, but for some uh, rather inexplicable reason, Joss Whedon brought on Danny Elfman, and we have issues with that. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, and one of the most interesting changes i think that was made for this movie aside from all the behind the scenes drama was the aspect ratio and i guess most people probably won't notice that but we i mean snyder actually shot this in a 1.85 by one aspect ratio as opposed to the uh, standard 2.39 by one which basically means it's it's less of a widescreen it fills up the entire screen there's no black bars on the top or bottom which was a choice i didn't care for what do you think about that
1: I I wasn't really a fan either. It just makes everything look too square and contained. Like it's it just felt more of like a, a picture instead of like this huge landscape portrait. And I think with Snyder, because he's just got such a penchant for like amazing and stunning visuals, you weren't really able to get I, I think you just kind of lost that sense of scale. Um and that's of all of his movies that I wanted it from. This is the one I would want it the most. Like this huge team up with these giant action set pieces, and so it was just weird to feel, for the camera to feel like it's trying to contain the action instead of just showing us the whole thing.
0: Yeah. And it, it's so weird that you say it feels smaller when you know, the other point of this this IMAX format is to make give us a bigger picture. But I, I do agree. It's what what. You know, the strength of composition is is often you know, in how wide the screen is, how many elements you can fit and balance off each other. And so when you have a square, you basically only have what is exactly in the foreground, and that's it in a shot. And it does it does it just it does feel small. I think maybe for a flying scene that might work really well. We're not as concerned with composition, but just for general shot to shot, I, I definitely prefer the uh, the wider aspect ratio. And I understand why he did it, but. It seems like a lot of filmmakers are really taken with IMAX, but I, I never, I don't think it looks as good for some reason. Um, so I just cover some of the behind the scenes drama because there was a lot with this film. Uh, obviously, you know, Zack Snyder suffered a really horrendous uh, personal tragedy and had to leave production. Was it I think about three months before uh, it was finally done, or
1: it was it was somewhere around then? Still, was, you know, get a good bit left in post.
0: And so he actually, from what I hear, he had requested Joss Whedon come on to do a couple rewrites for him before this happened. And then I'm not sure if it, it was him or Warner Brothers that actually put Joss Whedon in charge of you know finalizing the film. Um, having actually seen the film, how do you feel that all worked out in the end?
1: Um, Tonally, I don't... It doesn't feel like I'm watching a movie directed by two different directors, yeah. Um looks like I'm I'm watching a movie that's fairly consistent in terms of visual style and tone and dialogue and things like that. Um I I do wonder though, um how much of of the I have a lot of issues with how it was kinda of how it was cut just because I feel like I mean, after the movie ended, one of the first things he said to me was, there's still 30 minutes left on the cutting floor. <laughs> and that's what I felt like. So it's, I'm not sure if I would have felt like this anyways because of the WB two-hour mandate. Um, but it, it's weird to try to know where to shift the blame because it it just feels like there's been stuff that's cut that shouldn't have been, much like BVS. Um and yeah, I'm I'm not sure if that's because of two directors or if that's just because, regardless of who or how this was directed, this is just going to problem. This is going to be a problem you're going to have with a two hour epic like this.
0: Yeah, uh, that's I I normally don't like to start our episodes off on a negative, but this thing as I said the, the two hour mandate that Warner Brothers gave. Um, I'm assuming Joss Whedon because normally you would want to give this thing at the beginning of production or before they shot the film, but watching it, it's very obvious that this came on very late. I mean, after a, I mean, there were a lot of scenes that don't appear in the film that were, were like finished in the trailers. So I'm assuming this this came to Joss Whedon and he was just scrambling to try and make this what looks like a two 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 and a half hour film at least fit down to two hours. Um, so 90% of my criticisms for this film revolve around its pacing and material, obviously, that should have been there, being cut. So I, I don't want I don't want it to sound as if we're you know criticizing Zack Snyder, Joss Weed or the actual makers of the film. Our problems with it, or at least mine, mainly center around the studio yet again taking, <laughs> allowing a director to film a film and then saying no, you got to cut all this out. They did it with BVS and they do the Suicide Squad. Um, this let's start out, This is obviously not nearly as bad as Suicide Squad, whereas Suicide Squad really, it felt like it didn't even have a, a proper narrative. This film works on a narrative function. You know, the scenes that need to be there are there. The setups that lead to the you know the payoffs and the climax, all of that is there. My issue with the editing is that it feels like there are a lot of personal... <laughs> moments just all of the little character moments that take a movie from just a fun blockbuster to you know something that actually connects with you which is why I, I love superhero films so much um, just feels like that a lot of that was missing and, and what ca- makes it kind of more frustrating is that you see a lot of those moments in the trailers Um, so yeah uh, how, how, how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah it, it seems like I was watching a movie that was very bare bones in that it it functions, you know, there, I was never left scratching my head going like, wait, there was a, a leap in logic here. Um, there must be a scene that explained this somewhere. But I felt like there's, there's just a lot of connective tissue between scenes because it feels like this scene establishes that this is what we have to do. And then the very next scene is them doing what we now have to do. Like, <laughs> it just feels like there's moments in between every, because, you know, they kind of move from objective to objective to objective in this movie. And it feels like there's got to be some sort of connective tissue, whether it's character moments or um, maybe a little bit extra exposition, just kind of discussing different things. It just feels like the movie felt like it was constantly being rushed to the next story beat.
0: And what was so was really odd is not even only having scenes cut out. It was like they were shaving off seconds off of this shot, a, a couple, a minute here, like they're in the trailers. Um, just a couple. Instances was the 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 opening shot of this. I think it was the second trailer where uh, Bruce Wayne is saddling a horse up on the glacier. Like half of the scene that is in the trailer is trimmed out, and just it felt like every scene just had the beginning cut out, maybe a bit from the middle, and the ending cut off. So it was just like this scene is here, it does what it needs to do, and it leaves. Um And I I, I don't I don't want to just you know hate on Whedon for that. I don't I don't think it was his fault because seeing as he gave us a movie that was exactly two hours. I just think he was like, well, anything... (laughs) I don't want a Suicide Squad, so anything not completely uh, uh, paramount to the plot has to go. And that doesn't give you a great movie. It gives us a functional one. I I think I would give this three out of five stars. I liked it. I enjoyed the experience. But it just didn't didn't, uh, excel, you know.
1: Yeah, and then speaking about the scenes that are shaved... I think what's frustrating about that is when you have that many scenes lasting that short amount of time, like following each other consecutively, it it makes it almost calls attention to itself being rushed. Like just to, to use that scene of him on the horseback out um, trying to find Aquaman as an example, like we in the film we essentially just see him for like five seconds there, and then we cut down to him already speaking. Whereas, you know, in a movie like Batman Begins, we're kind of with him on this journey getting there. And even though I'm not saying we needed that that same length of time here, it would have been cool to feel like he's... he's this is a globetrotting first act, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like, cut, he's here. Now cut to him having the conversation. It just didn't feel like this guy's going all over the world to get people because this is a big deal. It just feels like we're here, we're here, now we're here, now we're here, now we're here.
0: Yeah, and kudos to the editors that this didn't feel jarring. Like, with Suicide Squad, you were wondering, like, why am I in this scene? Oh, I here now? Okay, I'm here now. Here, like, they, they cut, they spliced them together nicely because often, like, the voiceover from the next scene would kind of carry over the last shot of the second scene. It flowed well enough. It just kind of left you with that kind of nagging in the back of your mind, like, this should have been kind of longer. So kudos that they actually... Salvation movie that is this watchable with all that being cut out. Yes, um, so I, I I don't want to sound like I hate this movie. I don't want to sound like I just bat- bashing it because <coughs> as I am, I am very hopeful that we'll still get we'll still get a good movie. I think seeing how much finished scenes were cut out, I think there's a good chance we could get um, Zack Snyder's director's cut or Ultimate Edition from this film simply because we saw a lot of footage and they they spent money shooting like this movie had a $300 million budget. So there's a lot of stuff that we haven't seen that is done that we could just simply cut back in, recut together and think give a much more complete film that was what, you know, what Zack Snyder originally intended to give us with a couple perks from having Joss Whedon as writing extra scenes. So, yeah, I don't want to just say like we hate it because I, I, I'm I still kind of like I was coming out of BVS. I'm like, yeah, that was fun. Can I see the actual movie now?
1: Yeah. It, that's the thing. It almost feels weird to even criticize the film because it feels like I watched a movie and intentionally skipped some scenes here and there and then I'm trying to review that experience. Um, but obviously, I, we're, we're still having to review the film we got. And like it is still it is still very enjoyable. I, I did have a good time in the theater. There were multiple moments that I... I did really enjoy, and I I thought that it was a pipe dream that we'd get a, an ultimate edition before seeing it. But after seeing it and knowing what was cut, like there are multiple scenes, like Barry breaking the glass by touching it, and Alfred referring to who I'm assuming was Superman at, at the ending of the of one of the trailers. Moment, like legitimate scenes like that are cut, and I. They look like, you know, they're they're fully edited. I'm assuming even maybe, like, scored. So, to me, it's just based on how well the Ultimate Edition did and how it even turned a lot of people around on the movie, I can't see WB looking at how much fully finished scenes they have and not releasing an extended edition. So, I'm hopeful that while I enjoy the film right now, I'm really going to like it a lot if we... Potentially get that kind of extended edition.
0: Yeah, and, and even more than scenes, like just having seen all of Zack Snyder's films and knowing how he paces the scene, how he builds, builds tension, builds character moments. It's you can tell. Like I, I whispered uh, to James about five minutes into the film, like there is no way Zack Snyder edited this, <laughs> shot this scene to be this short. Um, so, like just seconds here, seconds there, would really just improve the um, the whole experience. I think.
1: And especially after watching BVS just before seeing this in theaters, you know, you, he'll he'll establish the scene really well and establish the atmosphere of the scene. And then after kind of the events happen, he a lot of time he'll linger on it and he'll let us think about it. Whereas in this, it's like, we'll cut and the scene starts. And then once the meat of it's done, we'll cut away. So, yeah, it, it definitely feels like there's a lot of inconsistency with uh, his regular filmography.
0: Yeah, so I guess... As far as Joss Whedon, he did the best he could with this really (laughs) crappy deal he was handed. Um, So I guess just moving on to the stuff we did like. uh, What were some of your favorite things about the movie, James?
1: Um, I love the cast. I think that everybody is great in the role. The person I was worried the most about was Cyborg because I grew up on the Teen Titans animated series, which is amazing. And he was one of my favorite characters. And... In the trailers, he just looked almost annoyingly dour. <laughs> but here, uh, he he felt like there was more of a reason. His, as he explains his situation, I I believe him. I'm like, you know what? I'm not actually mad at, the, at your less than cheery disposition. And it also makes his growing acceptance of the team that much better because we start at a place where he he feels like an isolated freak. And he ends in a place where he's able to join with others who he feels maybe aren't so different from him. And so I actually really, really liked his character. Um, I love Ezra Miller as The Flash. Oh, yeah. Um, I think mean, he has a lot of really great moments. He's got some, he has great comedic timing. Um, and something about he and Ray Fisher, they they have great chemistry with anyone they're talking to, especially each other. Um, there's a scene at night shared just between the two of them and seeing their dynamic together was a lot of fun. And I think Ray Fisher has a surprisingly like fun bit of chemistry with the uh, wonder woman. There's like, you kind of see this friendship blossom as the movie goes on. Um, and then Jason Momoa is just like the coolest guy imaginable.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, going back to, uh, Ray Fisher, I, I and, and the, the way they wrote the character, I would, you know we were complaining about the two hours i was surprised by you know how much heart they were able to cram into his role. and having just been introduced to him in this film you know as a you know a former football jock who's now living as this half or mostly metallic uh robot um who feels like the the mother box's uh uh programming is like slowly trying to eat away at his humanity it made for a really interesting character and his uh and like his hesitations about you know joining with the team and engaging with other people felt really real and and heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, and so that that's one of my biggest positive takeaways is just the team dynamic. And then I I really like what they the way they followed through with Bruce's story from BVS. Um, I was kind of worried that they just. Try to say that the ending of BVS was like the completion of his redemption arc, and that Justice League, he's, oh, I'm um, just a cheerier Batman now. But I love that he's dwelling, and he, he's experiencing guilt over his actions. He he can't forgive himself for the fact that there's an army coming, and their greatest protector is is dead because he didn't listen to him. Um, And so the fact that that was still what he's dealing with, there are multiple scenes, um, especially between he and Alfred and Jeremy Irons is awesome. Again, (laughs) he is so awesome in this, just like he was in BVS. And there are scenes shared between uh, the two of them, as well as between Bruce and Diana, um, where you, you really get a sense of that, that he's, he feels almost like he's re repaying a debt like this is a debt he owes to humanity because he took away their savior and he's he's doing the best he can um so i i just thought it was a really really strong way to follow through on bvs
0: yeah and you see uh, he's still he's his nature is still just as obsessive and antisocial and problematic but it's just you no know, point in a different direction you know he's healing i, I, I doubt he'll ever truly be healed i mean he, the guy lost his parents you know yeah, <laughs> but you see that he's in—he's pointed in a much healthier direction, but he's still—he's still working through a lot of trauma and pain uh, to get there. And back to Ezra Miller, uh, the guy is like a total spaz, and it's—he's got really good comedic timing, and just the way he plays him as someone who just functions at a higher speed than the rest of humanity, and is co- constantly having to slow down, and is also not terribly self-aware about maybe when he should slow down. <laughs> around other people uh it's just made for a lot of great lines now i mean not all the comedy worked i mean i think joss whedon may have been forced to write some jokes just to fill in kind of a quota but when it when, when it worked it was very very funny
1: yeah and he's also a great face actor there's there were multiple moments for me where just his expression he he's a whether he's like acting like a kid who's seeing all of this for the first time he's just wide-eyed looking at this world of wonder or he's kind of scared and he's like looking kind of scanning the room because he doesn't really know what to do and he knows he's out of his element. I've, um, never done battle before. I've just pushed people and run away. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun to watch.
0: Um and yeah, uh, Jason Momoa as well. I I think he's the one that probably hurt the most from uh the the cuts. I'm like ninety eight percent positive that there's there's this one scene that was reshot to put all his character development into dialogue in a singular scene, uh, rather than you know easing it out through the rest of the film. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's an entire subplot that was trimmed out, and yet just when he's just being a bro, he's awesome. When he actually is getting angry and sad, you feel like the hurt involving some of his relationships with with the rest of uh, Atlantis and the people there. He he plays it really well, and I'm really excited to see what a... Uh, <coughs> James Wan could do with his character and also in, an, in an, you know this Ultimate Edition that I, we better get I, I, I really like uh, what he was there and there's one really, I'll, I'll talk about it later in spoilers but a hysterical scene with him
1: yeah um, but to prove the point, I, I'm almost 100% positive that there's definitely stuff cut from Atlantis just because there was there was a time when um, Willem Dafoe was actually listed in the credits uh, I think Volko is his name um, and he he has scenes filmed for Justice League Um, I, I think it was easy to do that just because they were going to be filming Aquaman anyways right just a little bit afterwards so it was easy to they had everything ready anyways but yeah there it, there feels like we were meant to know more about Atlantis than we were ultimately able to learn Um, but it was teased well enough that it excites me to see what Juan is able to do because Snyder has has shown the world how to make underwater fighting look cool.
0: Mhm. Um and uh I, one thing that surprised me was how much they used uh Diane Lane as Martha, Superman's mother. Um she had set, she just she was kind of just around in a lot of scenes and she's a great actress and she just brought a lot of heart that like maybe wasn't completely necessary to the film but just I think she had a really good dynamic with uh, Amy Adams as Lois Lane just you know existing in the ramifications of the end of uh, Batman vs Superman. Uh, I think she she really brought a lot of heart to the movie.
1: Yeah, I've always thought she's been great in the role. Uh, her and Kevin Costner just make the most believable Kansas couple imaginable. Mm-hmm. And you know, from Man of Steel to Justice League, she she doesn't even feel like she's acting when she's with Clark. It just feels like it's it's this beautiful mother son relationship. And, you know, in the, in the scene of Batman vs Superman where he, he calls her at night just to say hi and. And here again, with her refer- uh you know talking about him with Lois early in the film, and even though they never really had a chance to make it official then they even acknowledge it as such, you know, kind of have this mother in like the the positive mother in law relationship between the two and I like that they they didn't lose her in this big epic hero movie that they still made sure to have time to you know allow her her character to show us where she is based on the end of BVS.
0: Yeah. Um, And as far as uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman, she doesn't get a lot of growth. You know, she had her own movie. But there were a couple moments between her and uh, Batman. I'll I'll detail them in spoilers that were really fantastic. Um, There was a whole controversy about how – the ending of Wonder Woman maybe possibly retconned her character position in BBS, and this again re retconned it back to the actual timeline. I'm not. I'm, I'm still. Not, I'm still a little confused about the ending of Wonder Woman, but I really liked how this built directly off where she was in BBS, and it's just her dynamic kind of, especially when Flash was around, just kind of like the mother father of the Justice League with little kid Flash. Uh, kind of being a uh, hyperactive goofball around. I think they, they, they worked really well together.
1: Yeah, with her I, I guess we'll talk about more in the spoilers, but I actually, what I loved about the this part of the film was that to me, Justice League was able to continue her character without retconning either Wonder Woman or Justice League. They kind of both make sense to me now um, and I didn't think it was able to do that. Um, and, and I love that this is her character is a continuation of where we saw her in both BVS and Wonder Woman. Like, there's obviously um, there's a lot of elements from her story in Wonder Woman that are brought up here. Um,
0: and what I hear that was actually a Joss Whedon edition. So, huh. yay,
1: good for him because I think it really, really helped her character a lot. Um, and so it, it makes you know, it, it makes the Wonder Woman viewing between BVS and Justice League definitely earned and it it all works together to really, I, th- I think now between Batman vs. Superman, Wonder Woman and Justice League, we've got a really great complete character with Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah. Um, and obviously this being directed by Zack Snyder, the action is all you know very well choreographed. It's always shot in a unique way. <laughs> Uh, people criticize it a lot, but I think when you pay attention to just where the camera is, how it moves in and around the action, there's always an interesting composition. There's always just something fun going on within the frame, even when it's all CGI. And I have some issues with how we didn't finish off the CGI, but it's always something creative, something to look at, I think, within the action. And especially one in the begin- towards the beginning with uh, some of uh, – what, what's with the, uh, Wonder Woman's people? Uh, Amazonians? Amazonians, yes. The Amazonians fighting – uh, Steppenwolf, uh, <laughs> totally going flanker. Yeah, fighting Steppenwolf uh, over the mother box it's a really cool, uh, creative action beat. Um, so the, yeah, that that was always that's always just very enjoyable. And yeah, and even non-action scenes, Snyder just paints pretty pictures. Even with his reduced format, uh, he makes it look nice.
1: Yeah, and there's also just the the idea behind a lot of these action sequences are really, really cool. Um, A scene from the trailer that I think is great in the film is Wonder Woman leaping for her sword. And the way they kind of... He he crafts the action sequences around the abilities of his characters. And so the visuals, we're, we're following the film, and it almost looks different depending on who's in the foreground. And so the way it kind of cuts from her fighting Steppenwolf, and all of a sudden, before we know it, we're kind of in in a slow-mo flash sequence. Um, And he's able to help her in combat. And then we we move right back into her and Aquaman shows up and is diving around. It's just, it's a really cool way to visualize the different powers of everyone and to follow it around in these really, really fun dynamic angles. I I think sometimes he he shot a little too close here from time to time.
0: Which is that, was that Snyder or Whedon though? It's hard to tell just because... We know there was a lot of reshoots, and I'm guessing to condense it, he had to create composite scenes of other scenes. So that's weird. it It never feels like two directors, but it doesn't always feel like Snyder kind of thing.
1: Yeah, um, and so you don't quite get the the bigger shots that kind of show you the scale of things. It's a, It's a lot more close quarters, um, but even still, it's like like Gabe said, it's always pretty to look at.
0: Yeah, and that's partially what what you said. There was my issue with this being a, having a lot of CGI that obviously wouldn't wouldn't have been complete when uh, Snyder left. I do, J- Joss Whedon just isn't as comfortable of a director with CGI as Snyder is, um, and there's something he did with especially the entire climax, which takes place. Uh, you've seen the trailers, the kind of this hell, hellscape thing. <coughs> Um, when you you can see in the, within the trailers, like the first two trailers had a, a distinct vision of what that looked like, and then the final trailer ha- ha just you know changed the color and uh, just and added a lot more visual elements. And I think that hurt the action quite a bit. Um, there's something about how Weedon finished off the CGI. He added just a lot of like dust and smoke and debris into every shot uh, as these characters are fighting. That I think just one problem is the CGI isn't perfect. And then it's just, it just visually clear to the frame. One thing Snyder always does is even when he, the frames are full of motion, there's always a clear focus and generally a fairly clean visual of what is, where that, that points all your know, points, your eye to the action. And there's a great flow here. It felt like Whedon felt like he had to just add just a lot of moving elements, just smoke and dust that I think just didn't look very good. Overlaid on the the really gorgeously choreographed action we had, um, I think it was, a, it was a rather unfortunate choice. That first, of, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't even notice the difference, but I, I really paid close attention to action, and so it was something that really stood out to me and kind of bothered me. Um, I think it was one of the more unfortunate aspects of bringing on a different director with a slightly different vision.
1: Yeah, um, it's still. I definitely, you know, you there's a lot of different images that kind of show the side by side comparison between the early trailers and the later ones, and there's a very evident tampering and changing. Um, I part of it may just be personal thing. I often, even though this is a, a an aspect people criticize him with, uh, I usually really like Snyder's color scheme, um, and I, I I prefer the way that the finale looked in the earlier trailers but i still think uh that joss did bring a lot of unique stuff that looked cool even though not even though not all of it was really welcome and some of it just felt superfluous and s- some of the aesthetic choices looked pretty
0: cool yeah i guess ultimately just comes down to it looks so much cleaner and visually just more visually distinct in the original trailers um and another issue, I'm not, I'm not sure whether to blame this on uh Whedon's action direction or the, um the two-hour mandate, which would have required cutting down scenes. It just felt like a lo- the pacing in the action scenes, like it would like have a gorgeous long take from Snyder, and then in the middle of it, cut to a reaction shot of someone's face, and then cut back to the gorgeous long shot. It just like Snyder would never have done that, and it just kind of hurt some of the action pacing. Although yeah, that. Possibly could have been just when trying to shorten the scene in, in a way that's not too jarring. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, just it doesn't the film doesn't feel like it's at its best, which is what I'm hoping for. Just if we can come uh, uh, Snyder can come back and, you know, recut it and you know, clean up some of the visuals because he's so he's so talented at CGI. I think, you know, all a lot. There's so much potential on screen and, and a lot of it is great. It's just if we can get that full vision, I would be so happy yeah um, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we move into the spoilers?
1: Uh, not that I can think of um there's a there's a lot of stuff left that I'd like to talk about in the spoilers, so I'd be ready to get there.
0: All right, so let's begin the spoilers. Go away if you haven't seen it. um the big one is Superman's back. Yay! How do you feel about that?
1: Um, so he kind of has two return scenes. Um, the first one happens much earlier than I expected yeah Um, but as a scene I actually like it Um, to me it it so this might sound like a tangent but currently in the Supergirl TV series I think she has just recently beaten Superman in a fist fight and it seems like there's this almost movement to diminish him and his powers Whereas here, when he returns, and he, he might not be all right in the head right now. Pet cemetery. Yeah. He, he goes full pet cemetery at first. It is scary. You know, Batman has a moment where he's like, oh, crap. Wonder Woman was right. This was a bad idea. And so for that that short scene to have to be like, crap, <laughs> we may have just brought something worse than Steppenwolf into the mix.
0: Um, yeah, he just completely takes out the entire Justice League like it's nothing. And my favorite moment is when uh, Flash, who's kind of standing the back, because uh, he's, he's not a soldier, when he comes around and starts going with his... Uh, with the uh, What's, what's, the, what's the his... Speed Force? Speed Force. When he's going around, trying to flank uh, outflank Superman. And in slow motion, Superman's head just turns, and his eye follows uh, Flash. And the scene just cuts back and forth between him... Like looking rather pissed, and flash like, oh no, it just cuts back and forth like three or four times, like comically long, it's just perfect,
1: and it's I mean it's made it all the more funny because you know the way flash has criticized humanity before is like everybody just seems too slow and he's he's never used to being caught up with and so now just to to see for the first time in his entire life with these abilities to see someone look at him, and now he's he looks in every other scene we see him using the speed force and in other scenes afterwards he's so in control of everything he's in his element and here you know the second superman lunges for him moving just as quickly as he can he's like losing his footing and he's tripping up and he's this is a this is just a being he's never come into contact with and and there's the the physical contact he has with Wonder Woman where they're just kind of headbutting each other. <laughs> it's it just I'm glad that Superman felt powerful. Like this is whether we're gonna get him back or not, this is change this is a game changer because we've either brought back Superman, who is more powerful than any of us, or we've brought back something else and we've got something worse than Steppenwolf to deal with it is just a really great scene.
0: Yeah, I love when he sees Batman. He's like, <laughs> "You, I remember uh, you." you know, and he brings back the line, he's "Like, tell me, do you bleed?" And it, it's like, and they, they do something. It doesn't even sound like Henry, you know. Henry Cavill has the most wonderful, soothing voice. They cha- they change his voice for it. He really sounds terrifying. Just
1: this seething bitterness in his voice. It's
0: like, you wouldn't let me have peace and light. Now you want to leave me in death. It was like he, you could tell just how annoyed he is at how miserable batman made his life
1: and i i was it's not something that happens often but i was scared for batman in that scene um yeah. just the terror in ben affleck's eyes as he's playing it, like oh crap what have i done
0: and i love how well they played the fact that batman is way out of his element in this world um he's constantly getting hurt and constantly being left behind because he's and he you know, He's the brains. He's the one bringing together all these characters, but he's you know an aging, aging human. He has no powers, and he's just constantly getting hurt and just realizing, yeah, this is this is not my world. That's something that
1: Snyder has done exceptionally well between both this and Batman versus Superman, especially in the the Doomsday fight where he he spends most of that entire sequence just playing keep away, um, and here. To me, they they haven't ride the perfect line to where, I mean, he's taking out Parademon after Parademon, so he's still. But he has to work for it. Yeah, he, he's useful, and he's got all these gadgets, and you know, you definitely want him side by side with you on the field. But he still is just trying to keep keep the Parademons on him, so the other people can really you know fight the fight the big bad. And so, I don't. Know, it was a, it was a really good balance of him. Not being this total useless idiot off on the side who just wants to show up because he's smart, but also they're not pretending like that this guy's punch packs half the strength that anybody else's does. So it's it makes a very unique dynamic that he has like within the rest of the league.
0: Yeah, and uh just continue with what they did with Batman. I like that, you know. He's just after all the darkness he went through in BBS, he's not just a nice charming guy now. He's still a jerk, <laughs> and he—I love with each with each scene where he's trying to convince someone to, you know, do what he wants, which is obviously for a good cause. He'll, for, he'll you know he'll come on, he'll come try to be <laughs> suave and charming, but if he senses, uh, you know, any resistance, at all he'll just come out and say, "What are you a coward? You scared?" He just he like he just kind of the way he is so clearly manipulating these people to try and get them to join him. What felt so true to this version of the character who is just, who is so old and tired and bitter.
1: Yeah, and, and there was one moment that I really love because it's almost like he's using the exact same logic he was in BVS, but just kind of for a different reason now where Wonder Woman warns him, you know, like, we don't know what's going to happen if we try to use the mother box to bring back Superman. And he's like, it's a risk, but if there's even a fraction of a percent of chance. Like that's, you know, if that's it's hard getting back to you know if there's even a one percent chance he's our enemy we have to like he's such a a pragmatic person and we don't lose that um so he's still willing to take these risks that maybe a typical iteration of him wouldn't um and then yeah just the the way he he interacts with everyone he still has that the dry sense of wit that he had in the in the first film. Um, and he's, I love the scene he shares initially with Aquaman where he can sense he's kind of that, that cool dude bro kind of character. And so it's almost nonstop antagonizing him from the very beginning. Like the first line he says after being turned away is, can you at least point me to Atlantis? He's just intentionally trying to get on his nerves. I hear you talk to fish. <laughs> and it's just, that's not the saying. That's literally the opposite of the saying. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, I was really worried that there was going to be such a huge reaction to the backlash, but to me, this just, he's still using similar logic. This is absolutely the, the direction that the person we saw from BVS would go.
0: Yeah. I love how, how willing he is to be cruel in an argument. Uh, there's a scene with Wonder Woman where he just like throws Steve Trevor in her face or talk about how... He just, like, lays out on her for having disappeared from humanity for so long. Like, like what were you doing? Just, it's... I, I, I don't remember the last uh, word. I really wish I could have seen this twice before recording. But I I like just how how willing he is you know, as a, to be to be cruel. And we're talking about, you know, the, the mother-father dynamic between him and Wonder Woman. It, it felt like it you are know, like, oh, don't fight, Mom and Dad.
1: <laughs> and... It- I you know I think he started all the line off by saying you know you you could be a beacon like Superman you know you bring out the best in people and it's it's such a smart kind of argument where what there's like it's very it's very cruel kind of line of argument and it's very antagonistic but there's that hint of truth behind it that cuts close to home that really really hits them where where it needs to and so by saying you know you could be this. You could be the leader. Like it's almost a backhanded compliment. where are saying you've got it in you, but you've been you've been shut off. Where where are you? Like don't lecture me on what I haven't done when you've been disappearing. Um, and what I was referring to earlier with the way it doesn't feel like they're really having to retcon it either is. I I think it's her referring to Cyborg, or maybe it's the it, maybe it's Flash. But you know she says I. I helped where I saw I was needed, but I wasn't leading. So to me, she was almost, it it still works with the end of Wonder Woman where I almost see her having been in a similar situation as Clark um, at the beginning of Man of Steel where she's not fully garbed in her costume out being the symbol of the world. She's trying to live her own life kind of secluded from everyone else, but still low key like seeking out ways to help she's not a so she's not abandoning them like she said she wouldn't at the end of Wonder Woman, but she's also not front and center um as as b v s has established
0: yeah it's like it's it's taking the idea of a secret identity and turning it ag- as if it's something uh, as if it's a, a choice of cowardice yeah. on her part which may not be true, but it's, at least it's a fascinating idea and it works in the context of his argument. Um, I Just want to, one other moment that I, I really loved was, as I mentioned before, I felt like there were some scenes that were like composites of other scenes like spliced together to cover multiple plot points. And there were two dialogue scenes, one between Aquaman and Mira, one between Lois and uh, Martha. Martha, that felt like they were just like Every, it's like a soap opera writing where everyone is stating exactly what they feel right now and they all come to an, uh, uh, an understanding at the end of the scene and it's done and it just felt like an entire arc condensed into one scene and then there was another moment later on in the film where uh, Aquaman's kind of spilling his guts about all his feelings and insecurities and wants and desires in the world I was like oh my gosh not again but then it, re- it re- reveals that he was sitting on uh, Wonder Woman's <laughs> rope of truth and it's really, really funny because everyone, everyone, like, people slowly start realizing what's happening. They're like, uh, just kind of like grinning on the side of He just keeps going and going.
1: That scene was great. And I love it. As soon as Aquaman gets up and he, he walks to Flash and he says, You know, you better not speak a word of this to anyone. And he just kind of looks around like, This is the fear in his eyes.
0: Or you'll, or you'll meet all the piranhas I know.
1: Honestly, I checked out after he said, We're probably all going to die.
0: Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else you wanted to mention um, before I guess moving to our uh, closing thoughts? Um,
1: yeah, so I, I brought up um, Superman's first return. I, I did want to bring up his second. And this is the one that hurts me the most, but I'm not sure how much I I actually enjoyed the rest of Superman. Um, my My issue... With bringing him back so early, was that he then goes off to the the Kent's homestead, and he's just, you know, he's spending time with Lois and he's spending time with Diane, which in that whole scene would have been so much better with Zimmer's score. Elfman is jerk. <laughs> yes, and I'm I'm about to start using the term I'm, I've heard now for since 2013 but he's the one who's like a hack now just to have that incredibly emotional piano at your disposal and to abandon it
0: and they used that in the trailers that, they used zimmer's piano uh, batman piano solo in the trailers and he and there was a moment watching the film like i should be hearing the batman uh, the, the, the superman theme now and he just said some generic soulful music it's it's not that like it's a bad score; it's a perfectly fine score. But he's got such a huge ego that he refuses to use the work of better composers that fit this that fit the emotion. the The job of a composer is to, you know, craft something that fits the emotion of the film. And if he can't do, that, why, why did why did we bring him on? He's just
1: ah. I, I'm not sure. And I, it would have been so much better with Junkie because Junkie worked with Zimmer, and from what I heard, they had a really great working relationship. And he absolutely would have been willing to bring it back. and just real quick, one of my issues with what Elfman has done is in the scene where Superman first comes back, instead of hearing that, we hear the, the Williams score, and it starts off kind of like the typical, you know, dun dunna, but it slowly gets dour. But it doesn't accomplish what it needs to because what it's trying to do is, oh, he's back. Oh, wait, now the, the score is hinting to me that something's not right. But the only reason we know that that theme signifies that he's back is because of you know, the Donner films taken within the context of the DCEU, why does that music tell us anything? It it doesn't. It's unrelated to the two previous movies. It has no personal connection to to Clark in this version. Um, But anyways, to get back to Superman's Second Return, when he finally shows up in the big finale, I think it's diminished because he's, he's already been back, and it's not like... It's not like this will Superman come back. We know he's going to come back. He's already resurrected at this point. So where it could have been, you know, we 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 tried to resuscitate him, but we're not sure if it if it worked or not. And so they're just fighting as long as they can until maybe he's able to come back. But in reality, they they're fighting as long as they can so he can finish this conversation with his mom. Like it's <laughs> that felt out of character for him to know that there's this huge war going on and. There are citizens involved in this part of the world, and really, like they're they're biding time for him to to have his nice moment back at the at the Kent's, and I I understand that's exactly where he wants to be, but it just feels like it's the the tension there is weird because we're literally just waiting for Superman to stop saying hello, like <laughs> that that's what the scene is waiting on, um, and then I mean, he wasn't in it long enough. In the finale, for me to really judge, but based on the direction, I'm really
0: worried that they're just trying to get Cavill to do his best, Reeve. Um, Yeah, and Cavill is one of the most charming, charismatic actors out there. So yes, he does a great Christopher Reeves. But the thing, you know, there's a a, There's a lot of famous, you know, line in in, uh, talking about writing. Drama is conflict, and up until Man of Steel, at least in film. Superman never had any real conflict. And it, it wasn't Man of Steel, it wasn't BBS where I actually started to become interested and intrigued and deeply care about this character because they brought up some really beautiful conflict about what it would be like to be an alien in, in a humanity. And for and there's some great conflict after they originally resurrect him, and he's still trying to figure out his place in the world. It's really that there's he's great there. But at the climax, he's just there shooting one-liners. Um there's nothing beyond that. He's he's Christopher Reeves again. And Honestly, I'm not sure how much more I want of this character. I, I don't I don't think the character they give us in the end of this film can sustain a film a, a movie. That's He's that's, he's not like, he's not a dimensional protagonist anymore. He's just fun and people want that, but that, that that doesn't make for storytelling.
1: Yeah, I've kind of this whole thing has been described kind of Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, Justice League is almost a a trilogy around Superman. This is, I mean, there's obviously with every installment we get more and more uh, main characters, but at, at its heart, it's about Superman. And so to see the the ultimate return, the finale of his, like the the final m- moment of him in his original trilogy in the DCEU is is him and his are mo- as at its least interesting. You know, his first line, I believe, mean, is something like, "I care about ch- uh, truth." and I'm a big fan of justice it's like borderline cringe levels of pandering to the people who love what's happening in the Supergirl series and I don't know I just it, there are moments I, I do like um, despite the fact that I don't like it in the context of like this world-ending scenario with him saying you know I, I'd rather not die <laughs> uh, I, I like his dynamic with Cyborg in that scene and then after stopping it saying you know what on second thought I'd rather be dead like I'm okay with jokes like that. Or him
0: and Flash. They're great together.
1: Yes. If I win, you're off the team. Like, keep that kind of humor. But it was... That's all that there was. That's... That's great banter. But we need a character. A character is more than banter. But that's not... And like I said, it may be... Or too early to judge. He was literally only in it for what felt like maybe 10 minutes after he came back.
0: And he's in so little, I'm really curious if they cut out a character arc for him, because he's in very little of this film, despite being alive for 60-70% of it. Yeah, that, man, this is so, so weird.
1: Bringing uh, it back so early was such a weird decision.
0: And so I'm I'm really interested to see if we get an Ultimate Edition, if there was a lot of stuff shot for... um. That. Yeah. Oh, that's a, the opening of the film with uh, the kids. Like, hey, can we talk to you for our podcast? Like, oh well, in that case, and he, he I, he's both charming and he has every bit of that awkwardness around he, people, where he's uncomfortable with his status of, as an icon. You know, the scene in uh Dios de los Mortes* where all the, all the uh, people are coming around and touching him. I love that level of just kind of yes, I'm here to help, but I I, I don't really know what to do with people, you know, fawning over me.
1: Yeah that that opening which. Based on the CGI upper lip, I'm assuming was Whedon. I, I love the very opening sequence because that perfectly felt like the person that he was at his best in, in Man of Steel and BVS. Like he, the fact that there are these kids who can look up to someone and seem just so happy to see him. Because that was why he was dour. And no, he wasn't an angry teenage emo like everyone else is saying in the reviews. He was just he wants people to be hopeful and optimistic and to see these kids just so gleeful at seeing their hero and asking him, you know, what's your favorite part of earth? And that smile, it's just, it felt like Superman as a character, not just this archetype, but as a character as most earnest and sweet. Um, and so I, I love the opening um, and I love the opening credits that kind of show the world we live in. It reminded me very much of Aquaman or Aquaman, of Watchmen. Um, Kind of using using the credits instead of having to do like a full opening scene of dialogue and exposition. Oh yeah, um, to kind of help establish
0: what does this world look like now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, and I guess yeah, where they take Superman going forward, I'm. I, I like to believe that any competent writer and director will, looking at where he's come from, will say, yeah, this is good stuff. We should take it and run with it. Like, don't bring on Matthew Vaughn and him give us uh, a Donner wannabe. I think they, I really hope they find a serious filmmaker who can take it. And no, it doesn't need to go back to the darkness. We've been through that. We this is this is an arc. Yes, it should be lighter in mo for the most part than the previous films because this is where we've obviously been headed. We, we talked about this in our BVS review, uh, you know, a year and a half ago. Um, so I, I just hope. That they continue mining the inherent drama rather than just coasting on nostalgia.
1: Give me Abrams for Man of Steel 2. Yeah. Because I think he's awesome visually and he has a way of great comedic moments and great lightness while never ever undermining the drama of his characters.
0: Although he's doing Star Wars. So I doubt that's happening. That's true. Let him do both. He can. He will. Uh, okay. Yes, yeah, so I guess right before we move to our final thoughts, uh, what, do you, what, what do you think of the post- post-credit scenes?
1: I love the uh, the Superman Flash race. That was that was just fun and it was like they put in like two recurring jokes. You know, they're able to it doesn't feel isolated for the rest of the film with the, the comment on brunch and and Flash still not knowing he's from West. Um it was it was a really, really fun moment and you know, just for fans of the comic books knowing that this has always kind of been a big ordeal when they when they race, it was really great to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love Superman in that scene. I think he's got a great dynamic with uh, Barry Allen. But the second one, that one was the one that has me hugely excited for where they could go. It,
0: should, it shows that uh, Jesse Eisenberg's Lex, Lex Luthor has escaped, and he's meeting with a Deathstroke to form their, a league of their own. Ooh.
1: And I think just judging obviously we got very little it's only post credit scene but judging by what we got of this Eisenberg, this is a luther i think everyone can like he was not this eccentric jittery person but he was still the same kind he was still the same person from bvs just more he's, he's rained in prison yeah he's he's calmer now um and I, I'm sorry, he looks great in the business suit with the bald head now. Like, you look at him, and that is Lex Luthor now. And so, the prospect of him and uh, Deathstroke, who Joe Manganiello just looks perfect. The armor always, I've always thought it looked fantastic ever since Ben Affleck first shared that. But Joe Manganiello with the full white goatee and spiked hair and his iPad, it just, the costume design is fantastic. So, seeing are wondering and speculating as to where this uh, unification between the two lead it's it's really exciting and i can't see where i can't wait to see where they go with it
0: yeah and the next two movies we have on the lineup are uh you know aquaman and then i'm i'm not sure if matt reeves batman or wonder woman 2 are coming out first You, you know I'm not sure. Either. I feel like there's they're both kind of on the same stage of development. It seems, <laughs> um, although they're probably really far more interested to rush out Wonder Woman just to meet the, the demand. But but because between Aquaman, which I, I I don't think James Wan... There's any danger of James Wan just giving a, us a light, goofy, empty film. Like I think like, even when he when he had his blockbuster with a. Uh, Furious Seven. I think he he still managed to work in a lot of heart to, to, a, to a series that is about you know the rock punching things and cars killing drones. So, um and and obviously Matt Reeves is not going to give us a light hearted movie. Uh and and it being Batman I don't think people will care nearly as much. But knowing how much he likes to play with themes and ideas and you know, throughout his narratives, I think I think we have a chance in these next two films to really hammer out a tone that. Still keeps the promise that Snyder gave us of more thoughtful, deep superhero films, but maybe balancing a little bit with what popcorn munching audiences can stomach.
1: Yeah, I think I think Justice League has set a hopeful tone. Um, it's it's disappointing to see it tracking so low and doing, you know, giving disappointing numbers at the uh, the box office. But I hope that WB looks at it and considers it worth you know, continuing and because um, I just think there's a lot of potential still in this universe. Um, so I'm excited to see where they go. And they they teased not teased, they showed us Green Lantern. Oh yeah. Um, that was amazing. Ag- I, a Green Lantern. Yeah. A, a or, two, well, two. Lanterns. Yeah, and that that may have been in any superhero movie I've ever seen, that may have been the one that just jolted me and filled me with more glee than I can imagine seeing him fly in the air with his ring and making giant <laughs> green fists it was it was a dream come true to see that on the screen so there's man they've got a whole universe they can continue to play with
0: so I guess yeah for our final thoughts I'll, I'll just start um, for me it's this is not a even though I have a lot of disappointments surrounding it, just because it feels like we didn't get the full film, at least as opposed to Suicide Squad, this is still a functional film. It works. There are a lot of fun moments, a lot of great humor, decent action scenes, and solid character moments. It just it feels so incomplete. And that's, that's for as someone who really is really tuned into pacing and editing, it was, it was kind of a frustration throughout. I, I feel like I never could just completely latch on and fully love this movie um however it's it's still it's it's a fun entertaining film and i'm I'm looking forward to what they can do with an ultimate edition
1: yeah my thoughts are almost identical i i enjoyed what we saw um there was there were, it was rare other than some moments with superman um it was rare that I was disliking what I was seeing um it was just i could i could tell that I wasn't seeing everything I should be seeing. And that there, you know, I mean, with the trailers, we we know that there are scenes of Ray Fisher as uh, Victor Stone pre-accident. And so moments like that, and maybe even extended moments of The Flash, outside of life as The Flash, just moments that make these feel more than just, fun superheroes, but moments that make them feel more like
0: characters. And then definitely Aquaman too.
1: Yeah. And Aquaman and potentially a subplot with him. And, and then just making it feel more like a journey instead of just here. We're here. Then we're here. Then we're here just to, to flesh this out because, you know, with, with man of steel and Superman's introduce, uh, introduction to earth and then his death. And now as, as Luther said, the, the bells have been rung. We've all been leading to the rest of the galaxy, learning that earth is once again ready to be attempted to be conquered and so we've been building this moment so the movie just felt like we were we were moving too fast um and not living in this kind of in in the world that bvs left us and living in the world that justice league is creating for us um it it just felt too too short-lived um so i can only hope that my opinion of this movie increases, hopefully dramatically, with, with an extended edition where we really see Snyder's full vision for what a post-BVS world looks like with all these new characters.
0: Yeah, and I don't see, I, I don't see this surpassing BVS. Like, even in BVS's mutilated form, you can still see so much like raw, naked ambition that just isn't here. But I still think this could turn out to be a very good team-up movie
1: yes and and honestly, even going into it, I think I remember saying it, it doesn't even need to be the ambitious film that b v s and even to a certain extent, Man of Steel was with its incredibly heavy thematic material he He's laid the groundwork with those two films you know we understand these characters the the dramatic tension has been there there's it's very thematically strong and he he's earned the right to just have a movie that that capitalizes on everything that's come before we set up the stakes we understand why things are so important now the big aliens here and we can just spend a movie fighting mm-hmm. um and, and so if if we flesh that out with an extended edition this would just be such a great and fun continuation of everything heavy that's come before
0: and speaking of big alien i think it's quite fitting that we went this entire review and didn't mention <laughs> steven wolf because he's kind of useless he's a slightly more scary and physically imposing uh malekith the accursed uh he's, he's there's no personality there's no depth he's just a bad guy who wants to destroy the world and that is disappointing and i don't think an exhibition is going to help that too much but you know this movie's about the heroes ultimately
1: yeah um and he mentioned dark side and hopefully we'll get will get the big scary CGI villain with a personality with him.
0: All right, so that uh, that's it for our uh, our review of Justice League and this is going to be our final review as underrated. Um we'll be coming back uh it we actually had a couple setbacks so I think it'll be a bit longer probably about another month or so before we uh reboot the franchise and it will be coming back as a show called Franchise Fatigue, which in which we will explore franchises you know take a take a see pick a series go through it film by film exploring you know the behind the scenes story how it became what it is and and just exploring each and every piece you know how it works as an individual film and how it works within the series Uh, i'm really excited as someone who really enjoys um watching series develop i think this (laughs) is gonna be really fun exploration for us
1: yeah i i I love behind the scenes aspects of film and to me it's it's even more interesting in franchises just because every sequel comes into it. Well, at least most sequels come into it in production with more baggage than the first installment or just a, a one-off movie. And so looking at the process in which they're made, the context. Um,
0: and, and whether a movie is good or bad, there are so many behind-the-scenes reasons for that that are just fun to explore.
1: And man, the DCEU is going to be an interesting franchise when we eventually get to it. Oh, yeah.
0: All right, uh, so you want to take us out for the final time, James? Uh, So, until
1: we come back with an entirely new show, we will see you later.
0: See ya!